Hi, welcome to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I'm Sheriff Gregory Tony here in Broward County. Thank you all for joining us once again on our podcast. As many of you know, I try to bring in different special guests from across the community, with any agency, all our different partners, to discuss the programs that we do and how we really unite Broward County. Today, we're in-house. We're going to stay in-house. We're going to work with some of our partners that participate in our job development as, uh, as job development coordinators. This is a very integral part of our Department of Corrections and being able to help facilitate and work with individuals as we want to make sure when they transition out of the care and custody of our facilities, of our jails, that we give them an opportunity to be employed. Uh, that's a fundamental tool uh, that has been proven time and time again in the criminal justice system about the importance of reducing recidivism by providing opportunities. In this case, what they're doing is helping people get employed. So Two of our guests that we have are BSO um, employees, been with the organization for quite some time. Uh, I have two special guests. The first is Thomas, Thomas McLaughlin, has been with the organization since 2000 and, let's see, uh, about five years now, coming to 2017. I also have, also have Heather Etchenis, and we prepped that, guys. We prepped that like four or five times before we went live. Uh, Heather also has been with the organization for quite some time, since 2006. Uh, I'm just going to give you a quick highlight reel. In terms of Thomas, Thomas graduated from the University of Massachusetts with a bachelor's degree in management. He joined the organization after having worked with homeless residential programs and joined BSL. Uh, has been a great asset and contributor to our program. So welcome, Thomas. Thanks for coming. Thank you. And then also we have Heather, graduate of the University of Central Florida with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, later uh, moved on to acquire a master's degree in criminal justice. After that, dove right in. Uh, did a tour with our CPS Investigations uh, group, which is outstanding uh, investigators that we have that protect our kids. And then lateraled over, worked in human resources for as a specialist. And then now we have her with the Department of Community Programs. So again, welcome, Heather. Welcome, Tom. Thank you both for coming here. So I'm going to dive right into it. Um, our jail, or the jail system here at the Rouse Sheriff's Office, we spend roughly $300 million a year in our operating budget, or of our operating budget, to take care of the care, custody, and control of inmates. It's a constitutional responsibility of mine. It's no different than any other jail in the United States. But the difference is the volume, the frequency of people coming in through our jails. Every single year, 45,000 people find their way through our jail. We have a bid capacity of over 4,500. We're sitting around 80% right now. So that means we have over 3,000 plus inmates in our care. And it's becoming a burden on society from a financial standpoint. We have to pay taxes. And one of my responsibilities as the sheriff is to try to figure out what can we do to better utilize the resources and funding that's afforded to me to manage this organization and safeguard the public. And I think what you're doing is very much a vital part of that, being able to ensure that we're cutting down on the recidivism rates, we're giving people an opportunity to be employed, Everyone needs a job. Everyone has bills to pay, even the people that get released from jails. So let's talk a little bit about what that program entails. Heather, I say job development coordinators. That's your official title. What do you actually do? We work with the, with the clients who are coming out of the either jail or prison system, the drug court, we work with them as well. So just basically anybody who has any kind of history or background with with the um, criminal system, we we work with them. It's a voluntary basis. We work with them to 
work on communication skills for job interviews, uh, resume skills. We help them generate a resume to work on what to say during an interview, mm -hmm. what to how to present themselves, how to present their background to the potential employer, the positives, just to know how to articulate what kind of experience that they have, what kind of knowledge they have to present themselves to the potential employer to maintain their, um, to maintain employment. We go over how to maintain mm -hmm. employment just because they have the job doesn't mean that they know how to maintain it or the sure. skills that they have for that. And we try to work on also education or any kind of certification that may help bolster their resume. We link them with the certifications. If they don't have their GED, we help link them to Broward schools to, um, to obtain their GED, which is just another way to help them out and move them along, put them where they want to be maintain their dignity. If we have those individuals who need assistance with literacy or English as a second language, we have links for that as well. So wherever they want to go, we can kind of help facilitate that. And we work with the employers to link them to the employer who would be more applicable to working with or giving a chance to somebody with a record. You know, Heather, so you outline several interesting, interesting things in terms of what you all are accomplishing. You talked about educating them on resume and building up all these different interview skills on how to present themselves in an interview. Uh, you went through a bachelor's degree in criminal justice out of UCF, which is one of the top 10 criminal justice schools in the state of Florida. Uh, you finished your master's degree. Uh, so you had an enormous amount of education from the academic world, right? Fairly safe to say? Yes. Have you ever had any training on interviews, how to build a resume when you were at the age group of probably most of these inmates? No, and it's not something that a lot of people do. It's uh, From That's what right. I understand, it's not taught in schools. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? But you Absolutely. bring that up. I have my master's degree. I'm a doctorate student. I've never had a formal course on something that is so vital to success in life. Yes. So what you're offering, what both of you are offering, is a tremendous skill that we probably should be pushing into the community uh, for individuals who are not in jail. <laughs> That's just a, a point I would want to make there. Uh, so, how many people are actually going through this program on an annual basis in terms of ballpark figure? You know, we, we have 45,000 that flows through. We have 3,000 plus in our care and custody. Um, how many are we trying? Is there a goal or how many have you been able to work with over the last few years since you've been uh, in this organization? We would love to work with everybody who goes through the system, even if they're not within Broward County. We always offer the services for everybody, and it's really just up to them if they want to pursue the pursue the opportunity. Or a lot of the time, too, people aren't ready when they first come out, and then they come to us a decade later, and they're still looking for that employment, they, and they could still utilize our services. So I really, truly don't have an exact number for you, but we offer our services to anybody, and I know it would fluctuate depending upon those people who mm -hmm. come back years later. So... Tom might have a better number. If no, that, that's fair enough. Tom, do you have a number in, in, in mind or one that's you know, across your desk? I do. Um, the number that I am familiar with since January 2021 uh, till now has been um, approximately 100 people coming through my office mm -hmm. and 54 of them got jobs. So, you know, it's approximately 50% of placement yeah. rate, which uh, is phenomenal as far as I'm concerned because, uh, you know, that's 50% of the people that that's are working right. that weren't working before. That's right. Um, so th I happened to look at those numbers the other day, actually. 
You know, one of the things, Tom, that comes with individuals who are arrested uh, or face incarceration is the stigma, uh, the branding of being a felon, a brand uh, as being someone who's been arrested. And it impacts their ability to, to gain employment. How are you all breaching that uh, relationship trust with corporate America, with the entities that are hiring them? How are you able to, or what is it about the program that's making, let's say, a Publix feel comfortable with hiring these individuals? Either one of you. I think a lot of the a lot of the change will come with people seeing the difference. So once we actually are able to speak to these employers and we know that these employers will give these people a second chance and they're going to look past upon past one decision that they made at one point in their life and mm -hmm. we all make choices that we wouldn't want to follow, you know, wouldn't want to do again. So as long as we work with these employers who are willing to give our clients a second chance, and then the client has the opportunity to work at work hard and show society, show that employer, show themselves, quite frankly, that they can do this. And then they're going to mean they're going to really change the stigma themselves, just because yes, I this one thing did happen to me. However, I'm still a hard worker. I want to show that I'm more than what this what one decision was in my life. So it's just about giving them the opportunity, and it's never going to change if we don't give them the opportunity or give them the skills to get back into the workforce. So it's really just proof is what they're they're showing. They're mm -hmm. they're working hard. They're getting their you know, furthering their education, they're getting certifications, they're being really amazing parts of society in our community. So it's just a matter of giving them that chance. Well, you know, that's interesting. Um, you do have a lot of organizations out there who will afford an individual an opportunity to join their organizations to work, and that's great. But then there's some out there that needs an incentive. There must be some incentive if I'm going to take this risk. If I'm the CEO of X Corporation, what incentives exist out there for those companies that are taking on some of this risk? Anything comes to mind? The Any work, grants? The work opportunity tax credits. Okay, let's talk about an, that. That's mm -hmm. an incentive, financial incentive. Um, but it's a $2,400 financial incentive if you hire somebody in the category of uh, ex-felon, if you will. Sure. Or if you have a developmental disability or if you um, are a veteran. Um, so those categories, any employer that participates in hiring with somebody that falls into any of those categories can apply for the $2,400 write-off at the end of the year on their taxes. So we always encourage our individuals that we're working with to use these incentives when they're in front of the employer. I always recommend that they say something like, oh, Mr. Employer, um, if you're interested, I have um, access to the work opportunity tax credits. Right. Or, Mr. Employer, if you're interested, I also have access to the federal bonding program, which is another incentive that we encourage our individuals to use because the federal bonding program is like an insurance program for each person going into a job that they otherwise would not be covered by under the employer's insurance program because gotcha. they have a background. Mm -hmm. So the federal government came to the rescue and say, look, we'll give you a bond for $6,000 
that covers the person, the individual, if something happened, for instance, in a warehouse, mm-hmm. s- stole something or broke something, that $600,000, $6,000 coverage is kind of an incentive to take sure. off the table that we don't want to hire you because you're not covered under our insurance plan. Our insurance company won't cover you because of the background. Yeah, so you have a financial incentive, then you also have the, the merit incentive about reducing liability, exactly. which is great. Do you have any case studies, any uh, scenarios that you think of a, a tactic or a brilliant move that a corporate entity or business used to maximize those programs? Well, the one example I mentioned to you earlier about was a gentleman who did get out of prison and he started his own moving company. Mm-hmm. And that gentleman uh, utilized the work opportunity tax credits because he hired all, I shouldn't say all, but 90% of his workforce was from um, people who had backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So every person that he hired, he was able to write off a $2,400 credit at the end of the year which to me I thought was a pretty smart business move move. because it it saved him a ton of money at the end of the year on his taxes. No, absolutely. And, you know, we we talked about the incentives, what corporations can do, the bonding aspect, um, the importance of educating and helping these individuals get back or reintegrate into society society and being productive. How has the adjustments been with individuals who have spent time incarcerated – and then making that transition. Are you seeing anything, um, behavior patterns, any major impacts that they're facing, especially with COVID and the reduction in the, the workforce overall? Has that impacted your ability to work with these individuals? I, I have an example of a story today that I was talking to a gentleman who sure. came into our office. Last week he came in and he was looking for help and he was seeking employment assistance. So Mm -hmm. we gave him a couple of job leads and he landed a job um, that he's very happy with. So in the process of landing this job, somebody at the job site said, look, we have uh, an opportunity for people to volunteer at the Dolphins game and we also have an opportunity for people to volunteer at the Miami Hurricanes game. So he took advantage of not only getting employed, but also volunteering at these two places and ended up getting like $200 worth of gift cards for free. Not, not he, a bad gig he, at all. And he right? came in the office today and he was all excited about it. And it was, uh, he was sharing it with me today. Yeah. And it was really cool. I was really. Uh, so you guys have a, an awesome opportunity because you're touching people's lives, that, which otherwise most of society would prefer to ignore or walk away from yes. and not open up. What would you, what would you say to. Our residents, right? We have 1.9 million people here in Broward County, and it is truly their money that is uh, supporting the care, custody, and control, but also program opportunities like this. Why should we continue to support this, Heather? Why is this why is this important? I think no matter what per people individually think about this, whether or not they feel they these clients should get a second chance. If you think about it just on a financial basis, it's just benefiting them financially because we're paying for them to go back to prison or jail. So if we give them the opportunity to restore their dignity, to restore their employment, to get back into the workforce, it's really going to benefit the community overall just because now we have more active members of the community. We have people who are 
contributing instead of going back into prison or jail and then we're just going to have to pay for them and it's just this vicious circle so overall it's really beneficial for everybody no matter what your take on the population is sure tom you have anything to add on that any perspective um i think she touched on the word dignity Mm -hmm. and i i believe that employment um is a dignity provider if you will because when you're going to work, you're responsible every day and you're participating in the community and you're right. making money and you're you know, paying your bills, et cetera. I think that instills a sense of dignity and confidence in people. And uh, I'm kind of glad that I'm part of that whole building process, if you will. Yeah. So um, I would just say dignity is a real... Uh, real important uh, part of uh, coming back into the community. And if you get a sense of that, it shines through. It shines through with employers that you're sitting across from, you know, in future potential opportunities as well. And Heather touched on a little bit of the education and certification stuff. Yeah. I think that is, and I preach the choir on this with everybody I meet, that's very important because a lot of the guys that come out, they're willing to say, I'll take anything right mm-hmm. now. The good news is they'll take anything. The bad news is they'll take anything. <laughs> right. So I always encourage them, if you're going to take anything, then always have a short-term goal and a long-term goal. Short-term goal might be getting you know, to work and getting walking around money in your pocket, mm-hmm. but your long-term goal might be more focused on a career that you're really interested in, that you're really driven by and motivated on and that would sometimes it includes vocational training sometimes it includes educational training whatever it happens to be that's good that's very good insight you know just a few days ago uh my guest that i had on the podcast was part of our homeless outreach um, team and there's a parallel amongst the two that we're going to discuss for a moment if statistically if the individuals do not find a job uh, there's the aspect of recidivism, but there's also the potential for homelessness because they're not going to be able to pay for, sh- for shelter and food, and then they find themselves on the street. Um, in your c- context that you all have or had, uh, have you re- seen that nexus with homeless individuals or um, people who you were trying to get a job and they had no place to go? Has that ever surfaced? Everything is so interrelated. They, you have to... In order to get where you want to be in your life, it's not just the job. It's not just the house. It's not just the education. Every, everybody is so um, multifaceted. They, it's all interrelated in that it's nice to, after the long day at work, to go to an actual home, but you can't pay for the home unless you have the job. So mm-hmm. really, it's, it's really important for us to work as a team within the community to try to facilitate the services for these individuals so they can't they don't have to be homeless anymore that uh, wor- they can actually work all day so they can pay for that rent they can pay for that the, their mortgage ultimately so it's important for everything to be looked at and not just get the job because you can just get the job but if you don't have the clothes to to That's wear right. to the job or the boots to wear to the job or the house to go to it's really difficult to maintain tom anything to uh, follow up with that but that's an excellent point Heather. yeah um Housing is stability, and without stability, it's difficult to, you know, move along towards your goals and Mm -hmm. objectives, whatever they may be. So housing is huge. Um, 
I have some experience in housing the homeless and, you know, all that entails. But, um, you know, the philosophy that I come from is if you have housing, then you can work from there. And then you have more opportunities to, you know, get the, the jobs you need to get or the counseling you need to get or the drug and alcohol mm -hmm. addiction treatments you need to get. But you need that stable foundation in a housing situation in order to make that really accelerate. So that's something that I have some experience with. And with regards to uh, employment tied into the housing aspect, I think, I mean, if you have a place to sleep and lay your head down on a pillow and get a good night's sleep so that you're up and ready to go to work the next morning, that pays dividends in the long run. That's right. That's right. You know, the, the last thing I would kind of reach out or, or allow you both an opportunity to do is under the presumption that someone's listening and they're struggling, um, they've been arrested, they have an arrest history, and you said something to them that's captured their attention, what message would you leave them today? Um, the guy or girl that's struggling to can't get a job because they made some mistakes in their past and they just can't get rid of it. I would tell them to just reach out. Do make that first step. It's not going to change unless you make that first step. You have to give us a call, walk into one of our offices, just follow up and just put yourself out there and give us some kind of contact, an email, a walk-in, something, because you nothing will change or you don't maybe know about the services that are out there and are available and the, the grants and the assistance out there unless you take the initiative, make that first step, because... Where there are things to help you, there are services, there are providers that are out there, but you have to let us know that you need the assistance. Sure. Um, the past is the past. Yes. I mean, you can't do anything to change the past. We're That's looking right. for your future. And if you can convey that with some sincerity to an employer, then that type of thing can give you opportunities. So I always encourage the guys and girls that I talk to, um, when you're in front of an employer and you're looking for another opportunity and you get to that topic of um, background mm -hmm. issue, um, you made a mistake, you're looking for your future, you're looking towards your future, and you're looking for a second chance opportunity, and I was hoping that you could provide me with that second chance opportunity. Mm -hmm. And if that comes across in sincerity, then sometimes employers sitting across from you are willing to give you that second chance opportunity. And then by the same token, some of those employers sitting across the, from you could have gotten a second chance opportunity themselves mm -hmm. and want to give somebody that opportunity as well. So you just never know. But if yeah. you go into it, um, you know, looking for your future and not dwelling on the past, then uh, it kind of shines through sometimes. Well, that's a very and good. Everybody, everybody has a past too, mm -hmm. and the like. Just like Tom said, even the employer might have had a past too, and no one should be judged based upon one decision that they made in their life, maybe decades ago, and it shouldn't haunt you forever. And there are people who and companies who are there to to help you out and give you that chance. Yeah, you know, let's let let's assume that we got people listening right now, some employers out there. Um, how do they reach you? How do they access? How do they join? If they, you know. I own, I own a company, and I'm like, you know what, man, what I heard, just heard through BSO, you know, job development program, what those folks were saying, I, I want to I help. I want to support that. How, how do they go about reaching out to you? 
We'll <laughs> go ahead. I'm, I'm jumping in this one because it's something that's been happening a lot lately. For some reason, whatever it is, employers are reaching out to us. Perfect. I'm getting phone calls more often now than I ever have in the past of employers wanting to participate in our program. So just awesome. yesterday, I got another one. The week before that, I got... It's just happening a lot more right now. And, you know, I go through the rich, you know, the, the routine of talking to them about what we can do. Some of the questions are, um, you know, what are the types of backgrounds are you willing to accept in your environment? Some employers are particular about that. Sure. So we have to find out what that is in order not to, you know, blow, basically blow up a relationship with an employer mm -hmm. by sending someone there that they're really not comfortable um, working with. Sure. But there are employers that are wide open, and again, some of them are particular to certain, you know, backgrounds of individuals. So we've, we go through that interview process with the employer to find what that is so that we can make the best match. You know, it's all yeah. about matching mm -hmm. up the best employee. Yeah, certain businesses are going to have certain expectations for their employers. Uh, certain craft or products, resources, or service they provide may not be able to have a certain employee that has um, a criminal charge of violence or something that impact um, maybe child welfare or something to that extent. So that, that makes sense. Heather, you were going to add a, an element to it when I said, how do they reach you? You know, how do we get them involved? Oh, also, too, um, just to add, we try to prepare our clients, too, for the for the position itself. If, we, if we're able to speak to the employer or toward the company, for example, we can actually articulate to the client, hey, this is what you're going to be doing on a day-to-day. -day. So they're prepared so they don't walk into hard labor and go, oh, no, this is not what I expected. So it helps keep the the new employee at the, the at the employer a little bit longer if we can prepare them and have that conversation beforehand. Um, but with respect to reaching out to us, we, we are both available via phone, email, walk-in. E however they want to reach us is absolutely fine. We have numbers. I don't know if you want to provide those right now, but we have... No, um, I protect everyone's cell phone <laughs> number. So I normally say, how do they reach you? And yet the other day, someone was like, 954. I said, nope. We can do that. Cut. <laughs> We're done. We go to our website at sheriff.org. Please click on community programs, and we'll be able to guide you through there. We'd be happy to help. Um, just another thing I'd like to You add may to not that. see it now, but you're going to thank me later for that one. Uh, yes. job, uh, job fairs, that's Correct. where we can get out and touch face-to-face -face with mm -hmm. employees. Career Source, which is another community um, uh, job office. Um, a, a number of different uh, work sites, job sites that do this kind of work. When we talk to them and communicate with them, they know what we're doing, so then they can forward people to us as well. Excellent. Well, look, we, what a delight today uh, having you both come in and talk a little bit about how you all are working over in job development and helping our inmate population transition back into or reintegrate back into to the communities in which they came from. Um, whether you agree with it or not, these are members of our society, and we have a choice. Either we can uh, turn our eye and turn our back on the problem that impacts all of us, or we can try to help the people that need the help. Uh, and make sure that they become productive citizens in our uh, communities. So, uh, excellent job. Tom, Heather, thank you both for joining us today on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Thank, thank you. you. And for everyone on, thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. 
Remember to follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double, it's me. Subscribe to the podcast so you can get early alerts for every new episode. In the meantime, stay safe, be humble, and try to love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself. Take care.